welcome back to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia, the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests uh, influence public policy in Florida. Uh, this is going to be an update from day 23 of the Florida legislature's uh, 60-day legislative session. Um, we're uh, we're at the point of session now where um, lawmakers in both the state house and Senate are starting to roll out their state budgets for the year. Um but that also means we're starting to see a bunch of tax breaks start to surface and move now, too. And we're going to talk about a few of those today. The first one up is House Bill 471, which went through the House's main tax writing committee yesterday. On one hand, this is the dumbest tax break imaginable. It is essentially a $200 million a year gift to timeshare developers and owners. Um, that said, there is some nuance here that I, I am sort of sympathetic to. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. So this evolved, involves property taxes on timeshares. Uh, and generally th- generally speaking, when you think about uh, property taxes, you you uh, you appraise the value of property by looking at you know sales of similar property like comps, right? And and under current law, you're supposed to do the same thing with timeshares. If you're a property appraiser and you're you're determining how much a timeshare is worth for tax purposes, you're first supposed to look at sort of resales. Basically, when a, when someone buys a timeshare from Disney or Marriott and then they turn around and try to sell it later, that would be a resale. Um, the problem is the resale market is utterly dysfunctional. First of all, almost everybody who buys a timeshare ends up trying to ditch it because they regret it. And most of these timeshares are, are distressed sales. They get given away for free for the most part, or just like nominal consideration to cover like the dock stamp taxes and things like that. Um, and you're not supposed to use distressed sales for comps. It's the same reason why when you're appraising a house, you don't use, you don't look at sales of foreclosure sales or short sales. Um, so property appraisers end up having to turn around and look at sales of time, the prices of timeshares sold by developers, which are obviously much higher. The price Disney or Marriott charges you when you first buy that timeshare. Now they they back out a lot of costs to offset for the fact that you know most of the costs of, of, of producing a timeshare is in the marketing and the conning people into buying it, and they they back out and equate for that. Um, but you still end up in a situation where there's a lot of people who own timeshares that are worthless, but still end up paying property taxes on those timeshares because you know they're not worthless from a tax perspective. And so this bill, it comes out of a it comes out of a big timeshare owner owners group at a Marriott timeshare in Orlando, who essentially want to force property appraisers to have to use all those junky resales, those those giveaways uh, as the basis for appraisals. And it would it would dramatically reduce the the appraised values of timeshares for tax purposes. We're talking like a 75% reduction. That's why that's why the the hit on this bill, $200 million a year, is so big. Here's the problem and what makes it dumb is there are a lot of timeshare owners out there that I'm sympathetic to that bought this junky product and now can't get rid of it and don't want to have to pay property taxes on it. But the timeshare developers that sold them these products own far more timeshares and they would get this tax break too, right? So 
one of the challenges here is timeshares, most of them are sold as like points now and points in a broader resort system. So there's functionally no difference between a, a new, a quote, quote unquote, new timeshare and a used timeshare. They're all just points in a network. The only difference is who's selling it, if it's the developer selling it or if it's a, if it's an individual owner who bought it trying to sell it. And one of the reasons that the individual owner has so many problems is because those developers do all sorts of things to undercut the value of resales. They, they impose all sorts of restrictions. So if I buy points in a Marriott network from Marriott, I get all sorts of extra perks and stuff with that. If I buy those same points from someone else, Marriott doesn't let me have all of those perks. That's a big reason why these resales are so less valuable. But under this bill, all the timeshares Marriott and Disney own would get the same tax break. They'd all get lopped off. They'd all have their taxable value lopped off by 75%. This, this is a tax break. Just Disney alone would almost certainly save several hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that's the cost of half a dozen teachers just so we can give Disney a tax break. A, a company I thought was uh, everybody in Tallahassee was standing up to now. Um, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, I, I actually took a stab at, at trying to quantify this. Disney, um, when, I, when I looked at this last year, Disney is selling timeshares in, in the Grand Floridian Resort Spa. And it currently owned, at the time I looked at this, just about 50% of the units in that timeshare already. So, so you're going to have a bunch of individual owners that own like tiny little pieces of this, but Disney itself owns half. And all of those timeshares are going to get their uh, taxable values cut. And even in older resorts, Disney is contractually obligated to retain at least 2% of the units in every prop timeshare property builds. So again, you're going to have, you have a situation where like there'll be a million people who own one timeshare, but then there'll be 10 developers who own 10,000 timeshares each, right? But all of them are getting this tax cut. It is a terrible idea. I am sympathetic to the idea that we should try and help folks who bought timeshares and now regret it. But the way to help them is, uh, should not be giving the same developers who preyed upon them in the first place, a tax break too. Um, okay, sorry, I started to get so soapboxy on that, but that bill has been around for a few years now, and it is just monumentally stupid. Um, one thing that makes it dangerous before I move on right now is all of this impacts local governments and school districts, um, which which makes it much easier for lawmakers to pass a bill like this because they're going to have to deal with the school part themselves, but the vast majority of the hit is cities and counties, and it'll be their problem to figure out. And 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 more to the point. It's two cities and two, two counties in particular, Orange County and Osceola County, the, the counties around Disney World and Orlando, right? Because that's where almost all the state's timeshares are. So essentially, you pass this massive tax break on, but the chore of, uh, the chore of making up for all the, the, all the hit that funding for police and parks and stuff takes is going to fall on local government leaders. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's do another bill that went through the, the House Tax Committee yesterday, and this is House Bill 1371. Um, this is just to create a study, but it's a study to uh, to consider eliminating all property taxes in Florida and replacing the lost revenue through a higher state sales tax. You're, you're basically talking about Florida would almost certainly have to more than double its sales tax to do this idea. This idea of replacing property taxes with a consumption tax or a higher sales tax shows up in Republican state legislatures every few years. Um, we did the same song and dance uh, back when Marco Rubio was Speaker of the State House, and the, the Republican Senate rejected it because everybody realized it was a terrible, awful idea. But we're gonna we're gonna study it again now. 
And let me let me just sort of talk a little bit about this because you know, one thing you hear a lot is people hate property taxes. And that's true. Property taxes are are complicated. Uh, you know, some economists actually think of them think consider them to be regressive because they're essentially a consumption tax on home ownership, but but there are other economists who who sort of consider them progressive because they're they're basically a wealth tax and and it, it's a wealth tax that taxes wealth as prop, as what that wealth grows as like as your property values grows. But if you were just thinking about property taxes from like a tax nerd tax policy perspective, they're actually a really good tax. They're broad-based, they're stable, they raise a lot of revenue, and most importantly from a tax perspective, they're the least economically distorted. Now, think about it this way. When land values rise, it's generally not because of anything the landowner did. Land values rise because the area they live in or the, that they own land in has become more desirable and there's more people wanting to buy that land. What this means is that this is something you can tax without actually altering anybody's behavior. For instance, a simple way to think about it is if you if you raise taxes on cigarettes, fewer people will buy cigarettes as a result. But if you tax land values, it's not like landowners will stop trying to raise the value of their land. They don't really have any control over that. So it's it's the sort of tax you can charge without altering behavior. Um, but this dynamic, of course, is is also what makes property taxes so unpopular with homeowners, most of whom are also voters. And it makes property taxes especially unpopular with rich homeowners because the most expensive homes and wealthiest communities generally appreciate much faster than working in middle class homes and communities. And so that's how we keep ending up with these ideas to, to get rid of property taxes and replace them all with an even higher sales tax, which is genuinely the worst idea you could imagine, both from a tax fairness perspective and a tax policy perspective, especially in Florida. And, and let me just give you a couple of quick examples of what I mean. From, from a tax fairness perspective, Florida has the most regressive tax structure in the country already. So what that means is if, if you add up all the state and local taxes that Florida charges, if you are in the bottom 20% of, of, of households as measured by income in Florida, you pay, your combined effective tax rate is almost five times higher than the effective tax rate paid by homeowners in the top 1%. Even if you're in the, you're, you're in the middle, the middle 20%. So if you're in that kind of, uh, that 40 to 60% band, your definition of middle-class household, you are paying an effective tax rate in Florida that is more than three times higher what the top, than what the top 1% pay. And this is because Florida is already the most heavily dependent state in the country on sales taxes. Um, and that that brings us to the, the economic reason that this is such a terrible idea too, that even if you don't care about tax fairness, if you don't care about uh, having a progressive tax code or, or care about overtaxing poor people at the in favor of rich people, you might care about just from a tax policy perspective, you don't want all your eggs in one basket if you're trying to run a functioning society. And so it, Florida getting rid of property taxes to, to more than double its sales tax would essentially be like investing all your money in a single stock. And it's especially bad because sales taxes are notoriously uh, volatile. Like they are, they are the tax revenue that drops the most in downturns because people stop spending or they, they cut their spending way back. This is why Florida took such a big hit during the 20, the 2008 housing collapse. It, it's a big reason why there was also Florida is so dependent on the real estate market. Um, it's actually somewhat ironic in this idea because um, 
if you were a real fiscal conservative, um, you'd probably love property taxes. Even uh, Milton Friedman, the, the famously conservative economist, called property taxes the least bad tax. Um, but I guess we're gonna we're gonna do this study, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have this fight all over again next year. This study has to be done before the start of the next session, so we'll probably be talking a lot about it down the road. And on the bright side, I guess we'll find out soon enough which lawmakers in Tallahassee are real fiscal conservatives, and which ones are just out to service wealthy voters and donors. Um, you know, of course, intellectual consistency is not something the Florida legislature often concerns itself with, and and. I'm going to end with just giving you one more example of that from yesterday. This uh, same House Tax Committee also passed House Bill 609 yesterday. This is a bill that would impose a bunch of restrictions on cities and counties and their ability to tax businesses through what is known as the local business tax. It would make it essentially much harder for them to charge to raise revenue from local business taxes. Um, when uh, some opponents kind of pushed back on this, that this was going to make it a lot harder to find money for things like police, parks, and trash collection, you know, services we all need. Um, the sponsor of this bill pointed out that, hey, well, you know what? They can always raise property taxes then. Um, and just a few hours later, a different House committee passed another bill, House Bill 1195. And what would that bill do? Make it harder for cities and counties to raise revenue from property taxes too. So yeah, again, intellectual consistency, not a thing the legislature worries about too often. So, okay, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll be back again soon. In the meantime, if you haven't already, please consider signing up for the newsletter. Uh, easiest way to find us is seekingrentsfl.com. Uh, subscriptions are free. None of the stories are behind a paywall, but there's an option to voluntarily pay for a subscription if you can afford one. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again very soon.